Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Now, um, in a moment, you're, as we start to read in Daniel chapter 10, um, you're going to notice that there is now another king. His name is King Cyrus. Cyrus was the fourth and last ruler of Daniel's time. And when we read this chapter, Daniel's around 84 years old. Now, the interesting thing about the life of Daniel is that the older he got, the deeper his revelation, the revelations became. And this is a real kind of, um, kind of spotlight on how to grow old gracefully. And how, how many know that, that no matter how old you are, you never go into retirement mode when it comes to your walk with God? Amen. How many want to keep growing in Jesus no matter how old we are? Amen. And so we really we see this in a, in a pretty amazing way in the life of Daniel. And I mentioned last week that Cyrus allowed the Jews to return. And, uh, um, and at this point in time, uh, the Jews have gone back, 50,000 Jews. We put that up real quick, the Nat Geo. I put this up last week, but in National Geographic highlights um, right there, displaced people were allowed to return to their homes, and most famously in the case of the Jews exiled in Babylon to whom Cyrus gave his blessing to return to Jerusalem. We are reading the passage that we're about to read is about one or two years after that. I mean, it's, you know, not exact, but right around one year after that. So, so the 70 years is up. Daniel, being about 84 years old, probably felt like, I, I'm not going to go back to um, Jerusalem. Probably the, just the trip itself may have been too hard on him. Not to mention that his calling was to serve kings. And so he stayed there. Uh, as he went back. And there's one other thing before we read. We're about to read a pretty, you can take that down now. We're about to read one of the most kind of uh, fantastic chapters of the Bible in the sense that this is one of the few places where God pulls back the veil in Scripture and allows us to see some, some of the conflict that takes place in the heavenly realms. Um, this is a very unique chapter in Scripture, and it has a number of great themes. One is prayer and spiritual warfare, and the other one is prophecy regarding the Jewish people. So if we wanted to, we could spend weeks talking about spiritual warfare. We could talk more about prophecy. Uh, um, and this book has so many great themes um, and if you really want to get into the prophecies of the book of Daniel, the purpose of this series was not to focus on end times and prophecy, even though those are very valuable things to study. If you want to do that, I want to put something else up for you very quickly. I think that this is one of the best kind of uh, layman's commentaries. This one is by uh, David Jeremiah, and uh, it's called The Handwriting on the Wall. And if you're 
if you really want to research more about end time scripture and prophecy, the book of Daniel matches together uh, with the book of Revelation. This is a great book to get for your library and to study. There is a blessing that comes from studying prophecy. And so, however, you can take that down. The purpose of this series has been about to focus on how to live in days like the days of Daniel. That's what this has been all about. Our walk is how do we live because our days are very similar. Daniel was living in Babylon and it feels like we're living in Babylon. And so that's what these days have become, the chaos, the struggle, the casting off of, of truth, the, the casting off of the law, every, all of this craziness. How do we live? Well, the answer has been over and over and over again that we are called to live consecrated lives. And what we're going to see here most of all is that the life of faith, brothers and sisters, the life of faith is always Rewarded and recognized by God. And we're going we're gonna to look at this in the midst of this amazing revelation of what's going on. We're going to see this thread of how God was so pleased with Daniel. So let's read Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel whose name was Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. This is another way of saying fasting. At the beginning of the year, we'll do a Daniel fast, and the inspiration for the 21-day fast comes also from this chapter. Let's keep going. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine uh, entered my mouth, nor did I, did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold and uphaz, uh, from Uphaz around his waist, and by the way, we're in the um, English Standard Version. I always, I tend to, not always because I didn't do it today, but I usually read out of the NIV. But, but the phrasing here, I believe, for this chapter is so important. And it really is a little bit more accurate as we did word studies that we're going with the ESV today. So if this doesn't concord with your Bible today, I apologize. But I, I thought it was uh, important enough to do so. Let's keep going. Uh, his body was like burl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Now let me pause here and mention that most commentators believe that this was a pre-incarnate uh, visitation of Christ. Um, this matches... Um, uh, these descriptions match the description of Christ in Revelation chapter 1. And so many people believe that this was Christ's coming. How many know that before Christ came in the flesh, Christ always was because he's God? 
Amen? And when Christ came in the flesh, he took on the form of a man, but this is his exalted form. This is his glorified form. You see? And so this is, uh, uh, this is an incredible revelation that Daniel is receiving. And it says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I searched, as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So listen, when Christ appears to him, and this will mean something towards the end of, of, of this sermon and this chapter, when the Lord appears in the fullness of his glory, it literally knocks him out. Okay? When the king of kings shows up in the fullness of his glory, it just knocks us out. Okay, very, very important. This is what happened. It says, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, now, most people believe, and I believe this too, that this hand is now a different hand. This hand is the hand of the angel Gabriel. Gabriel was the messenger of God in Scripture. He was the one that was sent. And so most commentators believe, I, I don't think there's much uh, um, disagreement on this. This is now the angel, the messenger of God, actually doing the speaking. He touches him, and it says, he said to me, oh, Daniel. Let's read these three words together. Ready? Man greatly loved. At the end of his life, at 84, after years and years of living the consecrated life, here's what he hears. He hears man greatly loved. Understands the, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he heard this word, uh, when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have become because of your words. Wow. The prince, listen to this. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now you're getting a picture of spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. It says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. We know Michael is the fighting angel. Okay, for I was left there with the king of Persia and came, uh, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. This was about the Jewish people. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. This is heavy stuff. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. 
Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Stop it right there. I want you to understand how powerful this revelation of God is. It was so powerful that he was first knocked out and then touched again and raised up. And now he's saying, I'm so weak by this revelation of your glory. I'm so weak. I can't take it. He says, there's no strength in me. There's virtually no breath left in me. Let's keep going. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said again, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Hallelujah. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There was no one, there is, no, there is none who contend by my side against these except Michael, your prince. What an amazing passage of scripture. This is so powerful and so amazing he is getting this incredible revelation of what's happening in the heavenly realms. The Lord appears to him. A messenger angel comes to him and speaks to him. Incredible things are going on. And he's revealing incredible conflict. But in the midst of all of this amazing stuff that's going down, something very powerful is happening. Because God is focusing and he is recognizing who Daniel lived, how Daniel lived. He is acknowledging that Daniel decided to live a consecrated life. And so the title of the message today is Consecration Leads to Heavenly Recognition. Consecration Leads to Heavenly Recognition. And you know what, as we wrap up this series Brothers and sisters, as we go to wrap up this series, what you see in this passage of Scripture is that when you choose to live a consecrated life, okay, God, he puts his eye on you. He puts his eye on you, and he will one day, he will unfold his pleasure in the life that you've chosen to live. You know, we live in a day where people are dying for recognition. Okay? Our culture shouts this more than any culture in history. Instagram, followers, like, Facebook. Our culture is dying for recognition. 
But our culture is being deceived because we're living in this culture for the recognition of man. But how many know there is nothing better, nothing richer, nothing more powerful and wonderful than the heavenly recognition of our Father? Hallelujah. And so I want to just take a couple of moments and look at what this heavenly recognition really means. And I hope it will inspire all of us to live for God. You know, I want to say something now that I'm going to say, you know, hopefully in, in, in less than 20 minutes as we go to pray. You see, we as pastors, we're called to preach the word. Okay? No matter what the Bible says, if the Bible says it, we're called to preach it. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what the word of God says. Amen? And, and yet at the same time, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts and persuades. And sometimes when you stand in the pulpit, you preach lofty things. Because God calls you to preach lofty things. Preaching about consecration, that's lofty. Because, because it's easy to preach, to preach about three steps to a better marriage. And God wants you to have a better marriage. It's easy to preach about, you know... Uh, um, how to succeed on the job. And the Bible has verses about everything, you know. But at the same time, okay, even while the Bible is addressing the very practical things of our lives, there is a lofty calling. The Bible talks about setting our minds on things above. The Bible, it talks about living for a city whose builder and architect is God. The Bible says we are strangers and aliens in this life. We're, how many know we're just passing through? And so while we preach the truth and while we talk about lofty things, I want you to know only the Holy, I know that only the Holy Spirit can convict and persuade. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I want to pray that we would invite him at the beginning and even at the end. Lord, persuade my heart. Help me somehow, God. Let my heart be influenced by the power of your spirit. So that, Lord, I'll just make the choices that mean something to you with my life. You see, God, I want to be led by you. I want to, and you know what? I, in, myself, in myself, I won't choose the right thing. But the Holy Spirit can help us to make the right choices. So could we pray, Father, we, we ask for the persuasion of the Holy Spirit. We don't dare for a moment to think that we could do this in ourselves. But God, we thank you, Lord, that your word and your spirit, oh God, they make us wise unto salvation. They enable us to participate in the divine nature, God. And God, that's what we want to do, Lord God. And we want to we walk in our heavenly calling, God. We want to live above, oh God, the voices of the earth and the voices of this world, Lord. So Lord, as I just unfold these simple truths, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would persuade all of us to live a consecrated life. A life, oh God, that is motivated Oh, God, to separate from this world because of our love and affection for you. Bless this word, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. 
And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So very quickly, when we live a life of consecration, there is heavenly recognition. Number one, this passage of scripture teaches us that when we live a life of consecration, we are greatly loved. He said to me, oh, Daniel, let's read it again, everyone. Man, greatly loved. How many want to be greatly loved by God? Now, now, let me talk about that for a minute. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And yes, God loves everyone. Okay, God loves everyone. Listen, the God loves the sinner but hates the sin. So on my worst day, on your worst day, you know, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me. People who, who follow other gods, Islamic terrorists, God loves them. He loves them. He hates their sin, but he loves them. Okay? And the, and the, and the Bible is, is uh, uh, it's like there's no way to refute that. That is an irrefutable. God loves the world. He loves every, every heart that beats. God loves that heart. Okay? But now the Bible says that, that in the midst of that, that love, we can be greatly loved. This is one of the unique places. The, the only other place in Scripture, I believe, that talks about this is when he talked about Jesus. He said, this is my beloved son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because of the life that he's chosen to live, because he chose to empty himself of his glory and come down and be the sacrifice, because he accepted the mission that I gave him, the plan that I had for him, I greatly love him. And brothers and sisters, you recognize that when you say, I choose your mission for my life, oh God. I choose your call for my life, oh God. I have talents and gifts, but I want those gifts to fulfill your plan and your purpose. Then God says, I greatly love you. I greatly love you. You know, I look back over here. At, I was looking at Hector and at Jerry and and uh, we've answered hundreds, uh, maybe in some cases, maybe thousands of altar calls. And Jerry's been there for I don't know how many years and, and playing the keyboard. And, 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 and sometimes Jerry may feel, you know, left out or, you know, musicians. You guys have to pray for the musicians. Because when we're getting blessed, they're working on blessing us. All of them. We're responding to the altar and singing, and they're working and working. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Daniel was weak. He was in the midst of conflict, okay? Even on their worst day, musicians, even on your worst day, when you're sold out for the mission of God, trust me, you are greatly loved by God. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to live the life of someone that would hear, God, you're greatly loved. Greatly loved. That's the kind of life I want to live. I've been praying it over and over again. I want to, I want to be greatly loved by God. It's amazing to me. You know, I look over. How, how many people know Ivan? You know, some of you know him, some of you don't. Ivan stands there, he's on. How many praise God for securities? You know what I'm saying? He's standing there. He's on post. 
You know, we, we got the best security team. You know, sometimes we have to correct their security team. You know why? Because when they're on security, sometimes they say, yo, you're worshiping too much. Make sure you're watching. Because they're like getting blessed. Amen. How many know that's a great problem to have? <laughs> you see that man on post? God looks down and says, Ivan, greatly loved. You see, greatly loved. And maybe you might feel like, oh, nobody noticed me. God notices you. If you're surrendering your life, your talents, your giftings, and only God knows that. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. You know, some people are so gifted, they can do with 3% of their energy what it takes another person, 70%. Some people, they, they just can throw a little at this and it just looks like we're doing so much. God knows all those things. You see? Only you know what you do with your time and your energy and your money. But all I'm saying is God is watching from heaven. And when we separate to the call of God, one of the beautiful things that happens is we receive an amazing heavenly recognition. Greatly loved. Greatly loved by God. Oh, Lord. You know, when you go to make big decisions in your life, even if you're in the midst of spiritual warfare, a good question for you to, to ask yourself is, God, what could I do today? How could I choose today so that you'll see me the way you saw Daniel? Because I want to be greatly loved by God. So the first thing is when we live a life of consecration, we're greatly loved. The second thing, when we live a, a life of consecration, we have his response. We have his response. This, when I, as I've been reading this, these words in the bold, they blow me away. Then he said, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God. Let's, you know, we don't have these in bold, but, but let's read the words starting with your words. Ready? Your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. I have come because of your words. Daniel got a revelation of Christ and Gabriel came to Daniel. You know why? Because Daniel was seeking God for the will of God. Daniel was interceding and praying. Daniel gave his life to what was happening in the kingdom. You see, part of the reason that we're call, all called to pray is because when we pray, we engage in kingdom activity. When we pray, we're engaging in what's happening in the heavenly realms. We don't, we don't know exactly what's happening. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But how many know when we get on our knees, when we stand, when we pray in our house or when we pray at the church, things are happening. And listen, from the moment that we set our face to pray, 
How many know our words are heard on high? How many would say amen? The consecrated life is so powerful because when we pray, the Lord responds. You see? And listen, if you're praying for something, just know God's response is coming. Okay, if you're really seeking God, what you have to realize is that if you're really seeking God, it is possible that you have prayed a prayer that has caused a war in the heavenly realms. You see, it's like when you pray, when children are away from the Lord and you, or, or, or loved one is away from the Lord and you start to pray, you know what? Satan doesn't want that person coming to Christ. He will block it. And I don't understand the mystery of spiritual warfare. I don't understand all of it. But there's a guarantee that when we pray, how many know the answer is coming? We have to pray and keep praying and pray and keep praying. Because his response, his response, hallelujah, is coming. Could you imagine? I have come because of your words. And so can I say this to you? I want to encourage all of us. Let's pray big prayers. Consecrated people pray big prayers. Let's pray for significant things. Let's engage in the kingdom issues. Maybe you're here today and your prayer life needs to grow because your prayer life consists mostly about you. And it's good if you pray for yourself. Okay? But how many know that God's kingdom is great? We need to pray for missionaries that are off to Indonesia. We need to pray for Joel and Karen. Amen? We need to pray for things that are beyond us. We need to pray for our neighbors. We need to pray for our co-workers. We need to pray for loved ones. Everybody in the body of Christ should be interceding. All of us need to learn to intercede. You realize part of the reason why we say the prayer meeting is the most important uh, meeting of the week is because when we come to the prayer meeting, that's when we collectively, when we're interceding, we're actually doing what Jesus does. The Bible says that he lives to intercede. Jesus went to the right hand of the Father and as the devil is accusing, saying yeah, look at what Al Al Toledo did or look at what Henry did or look at what he thought or look at what Rigo did. It doesn't matter. When when he's trying to mock God, Jesus is saying, no, I paid the price for him. I shed my blood for him. Hallelujah. He lives to intercede on our behalf. And he affords us the opportunity to be part of that as we intercede. Now listen, you know, a sermon like this, it's like you're either like dialed into this or you could be like. I'm thinking about my career. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about getting that car I want. I've got my eye on, you know. A new screen that is curved. Do you see the new curved screens? You know? It's like, it's like we could be any place. But the consecrated heart is different. You know? And, and none of the blessings of this earth are bad. They're blessings. If it's a blessing, it's, it's a blessing. But the consecrated heart 
understands that we have a role to play. And when we intercede, how many know we have his response? Are you praying knowing that the answer is coming? Because the answer is coming. How many know even if it's held up in the heavenly realm somehow, how many believe today that the answers are coming from on high? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I have come because of your words. Because of something that you and I pray. The Lord, he releases his angels to help us and to get things done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the last thing, and then we're going to close in prayer. When we live a life of consecration, here's the awesome thing. We also, we receive his touch. It says again, one having the appearance of a man. Let's read these, these letters, these words together. Ready? Touched me and strengthened me. Touched me and strengthened me. Daniel was in the midst of great conflict and great spiritual conflict. And I just think living in days like, 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 like we're living in, how many know these are hard days? These are difficult days. These are slimy days. You leave that, you could pray, you leave the house clean, you come back at, at, at 6.30 and it's been a slimy day. How many find some days are slimy days? You're like, good gracious Lord, I've been slimed. You know, these are difficult days. But how many know every day that we go to him, the Lord is able to touch us and to strengthen us. And that's the promise of heaven that those that are consecrated to him, they will be touched and strengthened by the power of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How does that happen? It happens by the heavenly touch. That's how it happens. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let me tell you two quick things about the touch of God. The, 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 the touch of God in, in Daniel's life was twofold, okay? It was twofold, and it's very important for us to know this. First of all, there was a touch of glory. Second of all, there was a touch of strength. There was a touch of glory, and then there was a touch of strength. The touch of glory... It basically knocked the stuffing out of Daniel. And the touch of strength raised him back up. Okay? Now what does that mean? Look at me for a second. Okay? What does that mean? Very important for us to understand. All throughout Scripture, when the glory of God was revealed, okay, the flesh of man was crushed. Okay, when, whenever the true glory of God is revealed, men have a consistent response to the true glory of God. You know what happens? They bow down and they say, woe is me. I mean, the angels do it too, not for nothing, but I'm just talking about man right now. They bow down, they say, woe is me. 
in the book of Isaiah, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And then he said, woe is me, I'm a man with unclean lips, and I live in an unclean world. And so when you're really in the glory of God, and see, how do you get into the glory of God? You seek him. You pray like Daniel prayed. But the more we pray, what will start to happen is we'll, we will start to see God for who he really is. And when we start to see God for who he really is, we start to see ourselves for who we really are. And it just knocks the stuffing out of us. You see? And here, let me just pause. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Christian church right now. There's videos out there, and there's big-time speakers out there, and they're sharp, and they're all of this stuff. But listen to me, okay? When the glory of God shows up, no man is seen. How many know when the glory of God, there are no superstars? Everybody, if you, you, you know how you know you've been in the glory of God? Okay, when you've been in the glory of God, all of your flesh, the, the text, Daniel says in the text, I couldn't even talk. No man glories. Okay, and that's why we, we pray all the time, God, hide us behind the cross. Because you guys know that we know that no one up here can do anything for you. But how many know one touch from the glory of God can change everything? Hallelujah. And we need to start praying for God's glory. We need to start praying for God to show up in such a way that it knocks all of the Al Toledo out. All of the Al Toledo gone, so weak, just laid out. Oh, I want to be laid out by Jesus. Right? When the, when the glory of God comes, all flesh is removed. And then the heavenly touch of strength and restoration rises up. And then I were walking in the strength and in the power of God. And God wants to do that for his consecrated ones. God wants you and I, men and women, to walk in his strength. To walk in his power. To say, I've been with God. I've been touched by God. I've been changed by God. And now I want to walk this life for the glory of God. I don't really care what man thinks. I only care about one thing. I care about what God thinks. I want my life to bring him glory and honor and praise. Only the Holy Spirit can do this work of persuasion. Only the Spirit can do that. God is able by his mighty power. You know, there's a lot of things that we want. But how many know there's only, there are only powerful things that God can do. And we need a fresh touch from heaven. Man, you know what the awesome thing, and I'll close with this. The awesome thing about experiencing the true glory of God, and trust me, if you spend enough time with him, if you consecrate yourself to him, okay, he will show you his glory. He will meet you. He'll meet you in your bedroom. He'll meet you in your prayer closet. He'll meet you on a walk in the park. He will meet you. And your life will begin to change. 
the course of your life, the decisions of your life, all of a sudden you're going to show up in places that you will say, how in the world did I get here? But you will be used by God. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Just know that God is not a respecter of persons. Okay? Sometimes we may be tempted to think of one person more. God never thinks more. How many of God loves us all the same? And his eyes are open to anyone that will separate themselves to him. And he's looking to touch us. He's looking to reveal his glory. And he's looking to touch us with the touch of strength. These are the rewards, brothers and sisters. These are the rewards. You might be here today and you're in a real fight in your life. Maybe you're here and you're in a real spiritual battle. Just know that if you're in a spiritual battle, take faith because the touch is coming. Anybody who's walked with God a long time will say, man, I've been in terrific battles, but I've also received terrific touches from heaven. Hallelujah. How do you close a meeting like this? How do you do that? Here's, here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would persuade us. I want to persuade that no matter where you are or where I am, just know God is stronger than your flesh. God is stronger than your history. God is stronger than your background. God is stronger than your upbringing. God is strong in, stronger than your nature. How many know the Holy Spirit can persuade us? And so I want to pray, God, reveal your glory and touch us, oh God, so that we can live for you. That's the way I think we want to pray. Help us, Lord. We want to live the consecrated life. Let's lift our hands to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we tell you today that we desire you, God. Lord, we desire you like parched land, oh God, needs the rain. We desire you, Jesus. We're desperate for you today, Lord. We want to be like Daniel, Jesus. We want you to say, oh God, that we're dearly loved by you, God. Lord Jesus, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would make the things that used to be pleasurable to us, Lord, anything that doesn't please you, would you make it distasteful to us, oh God? Lord Jesus, would you make us men and women after your heart, oh God, after the things that you love, after the things that please you, Lord. Would you help us to die to self so that you can live within us, oh God. Lord, we know, God, that we are your people, oh God. We know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, oh God. Would you help us to live it? And would you help us to shine in this city? Oh, God, we have been slimed by the sin of this city, oh, God. But would you raise us up, oh, God? Would Jesus, would you cleanse us, oh, God? 
We repent before you of any unrighteousness, oh God. We don't take on the world today, oh God. We take on your power. We take on your love. We take on your strength. We take on the Holy Spirit today. And Lord, we consecrate ourselves. We receive this series, oh God, and everything you've said to us, Lord. We heed your call, oh God, and we listen to your voice. And we thank you that you're a God that still speaks. And we want to be the kind of children like Daniel that listen. So God, we give our hearts to you today, reconsecrated to you. We thank you that we leave here differently, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that we, live here, we leave here victorious and that we're going to please you in everything we do. We thank you that we can go freely and run after our calling, oh God. We can run after the mission you've put before us, oh God. And we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Could we praise him just for a moment before we go? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. We bless you, God. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name.